discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. All right, hello, welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. I am taking a dip in the healing back to waters. And alongside me, not very close, I keep him distant, a few feet away, is David. Hello, Dave. Are we ever going to get like another back to tank that, you know, we could not... So we don't have to share. Yeah. Well, once Lauren becomes a permanent, then we'll definitely never get separate back to tanks. <laughs> well, for you, you'll have your own. And then we will have our own. Well, as long as I don't have to share with Greg, I mean, that thing's moldy. Like, Greg's not even going to get one. <laughs> we're just going to let him die. He doesn't need to heal. He doesn't need to. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to be talking about Star Wars Resistance Hunt on Cellsor 3. And we're done. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's discussion <laughs> breakdown. Well, we were waiting. We were waiting in anticipation for this type of episode, though, Mike. You have to say that. No, we knew it was coming. We knew it was coming. We knew it was coming. Every single every single Star Wars series has that one episode. Yeah, and unfortunately, this was the one. Hopefully, we got it. Hopefully, Disney... The Disney executives were pacified with this one and we got it out of our system. Like now it's time to get right back to the heart of the story and focus on what really matters, which is, you know, concluding resistance in yes. a way that us Star Wars fans can get behind and enjoy. Now, yes, we started the show a little negative, but it, <laughs> it, it wasn't a bad episode it for wasn't. what for what it was. It was not a bad episode. It was written just fine. Uh, Brad Rowe, I believe, wrote this. Yeah, Brandon Rowe. Uh, no, 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 not he directed it. Brad Rowe directed, and Sharon Flynn wrote this. So she did a great job with the writing. It's not. I mean, there there aren't things within the plot that was that was a mess. Questionable directions. Uh, questionable writing decisions, I should say. I think it all worked. Yeah. Works together. It all worked together to create a fun, lighthearted, escapism type episode. This was, was, this was like the perfect example of a standalone episode. Like what you would expect, yeah. like um, back in Clone Wars when they do their droid episode. The first season. The first, the first season. season of Clone Wars, yeah. And then like in Rebels when we got. I I'm sorry. I got the distinct recollection of Jupa in this episode. From oh, this from episode, um, from uh, Star Rebels. Wars Rebels. Yeah, Rebels. that. What was that? What season premiere was that? Like that season was three, season two. 
Was that season two? That was season two. Because I remember we were so disappointed because we had such a strong ending to season Rebels, season one, the, the whole standoff between uh, Kanan and the Inquisitor. And then we come back <laughs> to the Juba. Now, to be fair, the Juba episode, I don't think was the official season premiere because didn't the opening two part episode come out like three months prior as a way to promote. Yeah. It was almost like a movie, right? Yeah. It was like a movie. Okay. Basically, so technically that was the season opener, but we didn't know any better. We didn't see star Wars for three or four months. So we're like, um, hmm. <laughs> WTF. Yeah. Juba. <laughs> what the hell? And, and like, did you just say WTF? Yes, I did. What are you, a 16-year-old <laughs> girl from the mid-2000s? But the thing I'm thankful about is we didn't get this type of episode at the beginning of the season. We got it. No, yeah. No, like, I agree. And, like, this was, like, uh, I think this is episode three. If this would have been the episode, Dave, that started the season, I think you and I would have <laughs> thrown in the towel. But because they gave us a solid footing, they built that foundation up for the season, and then they took a break and moved into something more fun and lighthearted, yeah. like extra lighthearted, I should say, because all of Resistance is pretty much lighthearted. I think that's why we're like, okay, well, you know what? We know there's a story here. We know that they're going in a certain direction, and uh, we're a lot more forgiving when they take us into an episode where it's just solely for fun. Solely for fun. And... On top of that, one of the strengths of this episode was actually when you take a look at two things for me was the design of the episode and also kind of like the the uh, broadening of the universe around resistance. I mean, one of my favorite parts was was Kragen's kind of uh, piratey speech about like how I agree how it used to be. Like when he was, uh, when he was actually a pirate before they were starships, before they were starships. We hunted the vast array of creatures. Yes, yeah, that was fucking cool. And, just by and that line, very piratey. Yeah, just by yeah. that line, it just opened up doors to all the Star Wars imagination. What we could have seen. Yeah, my mind immediately went to the mythical side of the pirate. What's the word I'm looking for? There's there's a certain bit of mysticism when it comes and romantic mysticism behind pirates in general. Yeah. We've romanticized these tales of pirates for so long. And yet, in retrospect, they're they're essentially rapists and criminals. But for some reason in pop culture, we've romanticized them in such a way that we we love it. They're basically like cowboys to many people. You know, we we are thrown back into this this feeling of fantasy and and true escapism and that's why when he said those words it fed into the fantasy of the pirates pirates. it's like this is cool like that before there were even starships they were out here hunting space creatures and the cool thing about this is that even possible how can you hunt space creatures without starships the coolest thing by far about this scene was when i dug deeper into it Pablo, Pablo Hidalgo actually came out and said, yes, this is actually legit Star Wars mythos. Yeah. And because like he was, uh, Craig was probably referring to the fact of vessels that were hunting down Purgles and oh, okay. those space whales yeah. that we saw in, in Rebels. Yeah. And when you think about that, that's actually really cool that they kind of throw that in there. That Because remember, in Rebels, they were talking about the Purgles as almost extinct. Right. 
and they were brought to extinction because of being hunted. Yeah, I loved it, and especially the um, the the hunting scene of the Jusk. Is that what it was called? Uh, the Jusk. The Jusk. Yeah, the Jusk. We have a Jagusk and and a Jupa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When they were hunting the Jusk and they were, you know, forming up and the different pirate vessels were trying to surround the Jusk, I mean, we were essentially on the seas. It was a naval battle. It was a naval battle of sorts. It source. was a naval battle. It, it reminded me of, like, scenes you would see in Moby Dick. Yeah. With with them hunting whales and stuff. And just going on, on like, what you said earlier is, like, that would be amazing to actually see in a Star Wars series. The the just the this like it was very maritime esque. Maritime esque, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it was cool. And and that's the takeaway for me when it comes to this episode. And that's why I didn't hate it. And I the moment you saw everyone inside of the the cantina and they're all trying to figure out what they're gonna do, I'm like, oh shit. We're gonna get a throwaway episode. It's starting off silly, and that's what we're going to get. But fortunately, despite the fact that it is silly, and remembering again, we we understand that this is a cartoon. And this is a kid's cartoon. It's on Disney Channel. I'm going to say that because I know we've had people come and say, well, you guys are a little harsh in a Disney show for kids. No, we get that. And we we review and discuss based on that. If we were reviewing this based on, you know, a live action. If we were trying to compare this to Mandalorian, we'd constantly say it sucks. Yeah. So uh, I knew this was going to be silly, but the takeaway is that this is how you do it. Yeah. Th- there isn't, first off, Pizuda wasn't the moron of the episode and he should have Amazing, be. wasn't it? Yeah. I was glad because if he was just the moron of the episode, then I'd be rolling my eyes. I'd be a little frustrated right now on the mic, but fortunately he was capable. He came up with a plan and he delivered. And ultimately, it was an episode that you can look back at and say, you know what, or look back on and say, you know what, there's some solid character development here when it comes to Kazuda. When it comes to Kazuda's, because like he's becoming more and more mature. He realizes yes. that people are counting on him and that many of these people, many of these individuals on the Colossus are in this situation because of decisions he made. Yes, the decisions are not a, a bad decision. Uh, he was doing the right thing. He's trying to, he was trying to, uh, he was trying to uh, get to the first order and, and reveal their real, their true motives behind what they were doing on the platform. Yeah. So his motives were fine, but that doesn't change the fact that, you know, you put yourself in his, his shoes. I think most of us can empathize and say, you know what, even though he's not responsible per se, Hey, there's a little bit of responsibility there because of the situation that his actions did in fact put everyone. Yeah. And, in. It, and it, they subtly still connected it. If you think about it, they still subtly connected it to the narrative that this season started with, which is the parallel between him and Tam, because it wasn't just Kasuda by himself solving the problem. Right. It was Kasuda taking something that Tam left behind and, just doing that very subtly still connects it to the narrative that basically, yes, we know the, this is still the story arc is about Kazuda and Tam's relationship and their parallel from here on out. Right. So Tam is not forgotten. 
she was still part of this crew. She was still part of the resistance crew. And I liked the fact that they took something like very subtly and basically said, instead of just MacGuffining it and just saying, oh, here's this equipment that's not being used. No, they, they, they subtly made a point to actually point out, hey, this is something that was left behind by Tam. Right. But yeah, exactly. And not only that, though, Dave, another thing that I feel is um, a positive about what we saw unfold this episode is that we're going to we're going to need at some point in this season, the Colossus is going to have to be 100 percent united. And I think at the at that moment when they. The season finale, they were united because they had to. They were all under attack by the First Order. But as they are wandering through space without food and drink, uh, mor- morale is slowly going to fall and break apart. And the only thing that's going to keep them together is having strong leadership. And if you look at that, none of that is throwaway. Yes, the immediate story, the the tangible narrative itself is in fact probably throwaway, I guess you can say. But the lasting effects that it has on the on the the crew. The crew. So from a writing standpoint, you can always go back and say this is the moment when everyone came together, not just to fight the obvious, but it was about it was about true survival, working together to hunt and make sure everyone has food so they can continue to fight for another day. And it's the, the fa- basic need. Right. And the, the fact that. Yeah. And the fact that Kasuda was front and center, he was the the person that ultimately succeeded to save the day. I think that's a huge win for this show. And this is something that, you know, we said a lot and we continue to say, and I probably will continue to say throughout this season. That was one of the biggest problems with season one for me is that I didn't understand Kazuda's place. Everybody else was capable and he was not. He, yeah. he was just a fool and they're not making those mistakes any longer. No. By, but just look at examples like this in this episode. There was a concerted effort to make sure we know that Kasuda is the one who did all of this. He came up with the plan and he had follow through. Yeah, he executed it. Yeah. I do want to talk about the animation this season and I've been holding off because we have had plenty to discuss, but I figured this would be the best episode to go ahead and talk about the animation this year, specifically because I love the the art design of the pirate vessels. When they were first flying into the the planet, Celsor 3, yeah. and they were coming through the fog, and you saw the, the back end and the front end of the pirate vessel, uh, Kragen, right? Kragen's ship. I mean, dude, we talked about this a bit last year, but every time that ship is on screen, I get chills because it's so Star Wars in almost every way. It chews up the the scene when you see that ship. It's one of the things that I've I've gone on record saying that the Colossus is honestly my one of my been like the the star of resistance mm-hmm. the, the, as a setting, right. but Craig and ship just visually, they went into a lot of detail about that ship and it, and it comes out. I would love to see a large scale model of that ship 
<laughs> so we can truly take it in. Even if they were to render out a 3D model, something online, I don't think there, I don't think there's one out there. Uh, I've Googled and I could not s- locate anything. But if they were to put out like a 3D model that we can spin and control ourselves, which isn't that hard to do nowadays. I would love to be able to zoom in, zoom out, and really take a look at the intricacies of the design because it's pretty fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, and that's one of the things this episode that is one of the positives of uh, positive uh, positives of this episode is the overall designs because, like, down to... There isn't a bad shit, moment, right? There's no bad visual Because, moment. Dave, in Clone Wars, and I know I'm going to get some tomatoes thrown at me right now, there are... Even though I, I love Clone Wars, the story is amazing. But yes. there are animation moments that kind of make me cringe. No, agree. I agree. And Especially I, earlier on. Yes. I know that was the style, and I get that. But it took me a long, long time to get used to the animation. It, sometimes it was jarring. And eventually you get used to it, but it does take time. There's a harshness to the animation there is no delicate curves around the characters' facial features. Uh, but when you see even the characters in not just, I, mean, I love Star Wars Rebels. Star Wars Rebels, I thought the animation was amazing too. But yeah. even, this is even better. The animation for Resistance might be the best animation we've had to date when it comes to the Star Wars animation side of things. When it came to like Resistance, I remember getting goosebumps seeing the aces for the first time yeah. because the, the, the animation really came out and Oh, it's polygon, right? It's yeah. poly, I mean, polygons legit. Oh, and, and yeah. And they came out and literally set the tone. That animation helped set the tone for resistance in the very beginning. Yeah. And like in regards to clone wars, clone wars, I'm, I, I agree with you. Like, it, there's a certain harshness to Clone Wars animation that kind of is just jarring. Yeah. And for those that defend it like loyally out there, that animation changed over six seasons. Because that was the thing, Dave. If you remember, let's go way back to 2007. I still remember walking out the theater and you and I were like, eh, mm. we were so undecided about that movie. Yeah. We we're like, we hated it. We loved it. But one thing that critics all around could agree on, I still remember reading, everyone bashed the animation. Bashed the animation. I don't think there was a critic that did not say something negative about the animation. And they slowly, I don't want to say they changed it because it was pretty consistent, but they did soften many of the features as we moved along. If you compare like the movie to... The last season of Clone Wars or even yeah. what Clone Wars is coming out like next year, the beginning of uh, next year. Totally different look. Yeah, completely different. Ahsoka looks completely different than what she was originally uh, uh, shown as. Even Anakin and Obi-Wan look different. And, you know, you can say that animators get more comfortable with their work as a show progresses. It's a lot like directing and acting when you have spent a lot of time in a in a role as an actor or a director, eventually there's a casualness that comes with it. You're a little more comfortable with the job and you can tell through the end result. And I think the same thing could be said about the Clone Wars animation. Yeah. And but, and like but going back to resistance though, yeah. resistance hit it out the park from day one. 
Yeah, it, which dude, it's just it's, amazing on on the animator side. There's a crisp vividness to the animation that looks amazing when you blow it up on your 4K television or your HD television set. I mean, it's stunning. It's a stunning picture. Every frame for me is like a piece of art. Yes. And that's what keeps me watching the show more than anything is the art design, the animation. It's truly an achievement. And unfortunately, most Star Wars fans are just not going to ever be able to sit back and appreciate it for what it is. It's it's a it's beautiful. Which which is sad because just this season and the this these past three episodes, the animation the animators have gotten not just their look down now, mm-hmm. but now they're working on making the animation feel like Star Wars. Like, yeah, one of the things that I really dug was uh, finding out that. The inspiration for a lot of the looks in this episode came from Empire Strikes Back. Like they looked at the suits of uh, Kaz and Tora, mm-hmm. and they used and they used actually Empire Strikes Back to kind of show okay, yeah. they're in this type of setting. They probably would wear this type of clothing, and I actually read that Tora's entire look was based on Princess Leia's Hoth gear, yeah, which is amazing. I can see that, yeah. I think that's a really smart move on the animators because, yes, they got their 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 own style down, but now in this, this, this second season, they're showing that their animation is Star Wars. Like, it feels like Star Wars. They're making the audience comfortable and saying, okay, I can say that this is a legit Star Wars product. Because remember, in the first season... There were times when me and you were like going, they're getting too far away from like the feels of Star Wars and just basically making Resistance feel like it's just another sci-fi show instead of making it feel like it's part of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. I, 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 I enjoy the animation without a doubt. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, this is the time where we get into our final thoughts, Dave. Uh, we've droned on and on about an episode uh, that I didn't think we would really talk positively about, but it ended up being a pretty good discussion no, because it, the episode, when you break it down, isn't that awful. Um, all right, Dave, give me your final thought. Well, Star Wars Resistance continues on the positive trend. I like the placement of this episode because it's not as jarring as like what they would have done in the past where all of a sudden, Oh look, let's have a standalone episode. Oh. That mean nothing. <laughs> and, and I think that I, I say that that basically just comes from the fact that they've learned how to properly pace their seasons. They're learning. I and, mean, they're, they're still, I mean, think about it. These people, yes, they've worked together since what? Most of them have worked together since the Clone Wars, but there's a lot of new people and they got to get that synergy going, right? Yeah, I would say like this, the crew that that has done Resistance probably started completely in Rebels. And they're working under a different leader now who is not Dave Filoni. It's it's Justin Ridge. And Ridge has actually has done a very good job in... Taking the taking what happened in the first season and then just continuing the trend upward, you know, like like a good stock. Yeah, it's still going up. Sometimes it's you gotta go upward. Dipping. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, it it doesn't dip. And no. I would really expect that this type of episode you would see that dip 
And in, in a season where you go like, oh, this episode just took the season down. Instead, after afterwards, I'm like going, I can't say anything bad about this episode because it still gave me the feels that we're still on the same narrative, we're still on the same uptrend uh, or uptrend. So, score wise, I would score this episode a solid eighty. It's a good episode. Um, it's entertaining. I like the fact, like what you mentioned earlier, Kaz was not an idiot. Yeah, he does his silly things, but there there was a method to his madness, and he still executed it. And he actually yeah. took the hero the hero spotlight yeah. this time around. Yeah, nothing to get mad about, right? No. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna give this episode a 76. percent I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, it was some solid character development, although maybe not overt. Uh, it's definitely something that people can see, and I think it'll become more noticeable as we progress and move along this season. All right, Dave, that concludes this week's discussion on Star Wars Resistance, Episode 4 of Season 2, Hunt on Sellsword 3. I want to thank everyone for listening. Also, don't forget, we do numerous shows throughout the week including a special Patreon bonus discussion every week. And in order for us to keep doing this until the, or I say, yeah, in order for us to keep doing this past 2020 or into 2020, we have to reach at least a minimum of 100 subscribers on our Patreon page. I believe we're sitting at 92 right now. Yeah. And if we don't hit a hundred, we are done. Like <laughs> I'm serious. That's my commitment to myself. I said, we're just, if we can't, we we have thousands of listeners. And I said this on our Supernatural show. I said this on our Rain Man discussion. We have thousands of listeners. Thousands. If we just had a fraction of those people pledge a dollar, we'd be fine. Oh, we'd be fine. Yeah. We'd be fine. So I'm trying to figure out why people aren't pledging. It doesn't make sense when we have thousands of listeners and yet... And uh, we have 92 subscribers, subscribers on Patreon. On Patreon. And I appreciate the subscribers. Every, you know, fantastic. And I thank them. Uh, but yeah, if we don't reach 100 <laughs> by the end of December, we're just going to close up the network. It's just, it's not worth it anymore. That's moving just forward. Eight people. <laughs> eight people. And we do offer a special Star Wars exclusive Patreon tier. If you don't want the other content we do on Patreon, if you pledge $3. A month, you'll gain access to all of the uh, current and past Star Wars discussions that we do specifically for Patreon. So head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge $3 or at least a buck, right? Easy enough. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. May the force be with us. Oh, yes. <laughs>